Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 7 of Genesis chapter 3. And we're continuing to look at verses 6 through 8. And I'll read that again. Genesis 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of Jehovah God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah God amongst the trees of the garden. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we were looking at verse 7 in our last study, where Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And we saw how This was the instinctive reaction of fallen mankind to perform some work to cover their sin. And that has been the instinctive reaction of mankind ever since, all throughout the history of the world. And we were looking at the words, sowed fig leaves together, and the word sowed led us to Ezekiel chapter 13. I'm going to turn over there again. In Ezekiel 13, we have an interesting passage where God is speaking of the daughters of his people that prophesy out of their own heart. And and by that kind of language, we uh, recognize that God is speaking of those that bring other kinds of gospels. When people prophesy out of their own heart or their own mind, then it's not the uh, true prophecy, the true uh, declaration of the word of God. And and this is what we find in verse 18 of Ezekiel chapter 13. And say, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Woe to the women that sow pillows to all armholes, and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. We hunt the souls of my people, and we save the souls alive that come unto you. And towards the end of verse 19, it says, And to save the souls alive that should not live by your lying to my people that hear your lies. And that fits in with what we understood that the daughters of God's people, which really is another way of referring to those that bring other kinds of gospels in the churches and congregations. The gospels they're bringing are designed to save souls alive that should not live. And the only thing that can mean is that it is a gospel that is providing false security, a false sense of salvation 
to people that are not God's elect. And that, we know, is exactly the type of gospel that is rampant all over the earth and and all over the church world today through various good works of accepting Christ or being baptized or partaking of the Lord's table or speaking in tongues or falling over backward. People are um, lying to others and and saying this is a sign, an indicator, an evidence of salvation. And, and yet, no, they are not elect. And, and that's not the way that God saves. No works can justify a man. It's only the faith of Christ. Ultimately, that provides salvation for his elect people. Well, here, these women are sewing pillows to all armholes. And the word sew, we have back in Genesis 3, that Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together. So they they were um, busy, uh, active in doing this work of sewing to cover themselves, to cover their nakedness. And here, these women are busy and active, sewing pillows to all armholes. And this is a sort of covering. In the Bible, any kind of nakedness points to uh, expose sin. There's the just complete nakedness of Adam and Eve. And when when they sinned, they had no covering anywhere. Or the Bible speaks of someone who has their shoes off and their feet are exposed. And, and that also points to the nakedness of sin. Or someone's head is uncovered. And... And the Bible speaks of hair as a covering or, or something like that. Any kind of area of the body that is exposed is um, a type and a figure of spiritual nakedness. In this case, it's the armhole that these women are busy trying to cover by sewing pillows to all armholes. And that's a picture of trying to do some work to cover sin. And that's what accepting Christ is all about, except you're a sinner, you're under the wrath of God, accept Christ, and your sins are paid for. They're covered by the blood of Christ, is is the idea. And, and so other kinds of gospels, man-made gospels, attempt to cover sin. And that's what these women Sewing pillows to all armholes are involved in. Now, the word pillows is 3704 in the Hebrew of Strong's Concordance, and it's only used here. And and when we have a word that's only used in one or two places, it makes it difficult to get the uh, biblical definition of the word because we compare Scripture with Scripture. But we're helped... Because this word translated as pillows, again, 3704, is derived from another Hebrew word that is 3680 in Strong's Concordance. And this word is found in several places, but let's just go to Psalm 32 and we'll get a a good idea of 
um, how this word is used in verse 1. Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And that's the word. The 3680 in Strong's Concordance, covered. And, and the word pillows is derived from this word that means covered. And that fits what the, the women are trying to do. They're trying to sew pillows to all armholes to cover the armholes because the idea is they want to cover over sin and, and they want to provide, um, salvation to these people that God has not saved and, and they're willing to lie in order to do it. They promise them liberty. They promise them life. Well, now, now we have a tie in through this word pillows and, and the word it comes from, um, this word covered. We have a tie in back to the Garden of Eden because the same Hebrew word in Psalm 32 1 is found in Job chapter 31 and verse 33. Job 31 33 says, If I covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding mine iniquity in my bosom. See, the word covered is also speaking of covering transgressions. Just, just as Psalm 32, 1 said, whose sin is covered. But that uh, is through forgiveness of sins, through God's true and magnificent salvation program. That's the proper covering for sin. But here in Job 31.33, it's referring back to Adam and his attempt at covering sin, which means we've been correct in our understanding because the only thing this verse in Job 31.33 can refer to is what happened immediately after Adam and Eve sin and, and then they realized they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And so here, this is the word of God. God is moving the writer of the book of Job to declare, if I have covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding mine iniquity in my bosom. And we can see very definitely that that we're on the right track. We have correct understanding in viewing nakedness as one's sins being exposed before the penetrating eyes of God Almighty. And in response, Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together. And in sewing these fig leaves, they were attempting to cover their transgressions, to hide their iniquity from God, from the one that all sin is against. And uh, just as those women sewing pillows to all armholes were covering the exposed area of the arm or, or underneath the arm, they're, they're trying to cover the open skin. And in doing that, 
It is a picture of covering over sin. Okay, I think we can see that pretty clearly. And it goes on to say they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, um, there, there's many different trees, many different kinds of trees bearing various kinds of fruit and would have various types of leaves available that Adam and Eve could have chosen. But God directed them, God directed them to pick a fig tree and to choose the leaves from the fig tree for them to begin their work, to cover over their sin. And that's not accidental in any way. Very purposeful, very intentional. God wanted them to select fig leaves to sow and to put on to cover their nakedness. Because the Garden of Eden was that place that God selected within a perfect world. And yet God set apart uh, a stretch, a piece of land that he called the Garden of Eden. And there he dealt with mankind in a way unlike any other place in the world. Because the Garden of Eden was a picture of the outward representation of the kingdom of God on the earth. Just as later in history, when history would unfold, Israel would become the location. It it would become the place where God's representation to the rest of the world was to be found. And following them, the New Testament churches and congregations took the mantle of being the outward representation of God's kingdom. People, in other words, identified the church with God, with his kingdom. In the days of old, people identified Israel with God, with his kingdom. And in the days of Adam and Eve, it was the Garden of Eden. And by selecting the leaves to sew together from a fig tree, that ties in that outward representation that the Garden of Eden is a picture of Israel and also of the church because God likens Israel to a fig tree and he also likens the church to a fig tree. We read in Joel chapter 1, in Joel 1, beginning in verse 6, It says, For a nation is come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the cheek teeth of a great lion. He has laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He has made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Now this is interesting language, but God is referring historically to King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians that would come against Judah. And, and, and on one hand, uh, Judah, Israel, is typified by the fig tree. And here comes this heathen king and nation, uh, a fierce nation, a fierce people, and they come and they destroy Jerusalem, they destroy the temple, they, uh, take many captives, 
back to Babylon. And God says of this, it's, it's as though they barked his fig tree. Did you ever bark a tree? Uh, trees have bark as covering. It protects them. And you, you find like a branch where it's a little loose and you start peeling the bark. And it, it almost looks like skin that's exposed sometimes depending on the tree. Nice and white and shiny. The bark is a covering. And, and, and so here God is really illustrating that when he brings this enemy nation against his people, because of his people's unfaithfulness, because of his people's rebelliousness towards the word of God that they were obligated to obey, then it will make them bare. It, it will be that they have no more covering. Uh, and uh, that's that's just interesting how God is um, pointing to that. And, and that ties in with the Holy Spirit that was in the midst of Israel of old and then in the midst of the churches and congregations during their period of ministry when when each was respectively God's representation to the nations to the people of the earth but but here in our purpose we're looking at the fig tree and we see uh first off it applies to Israel but the whole assault by the Babylonians against Judah is a figure of Satan coming against the New Testament churches and congregations. So it has a double meaning. The the barking of the fig tree points to Israel of all, and it points to the church of the New Testament. In Jeremiah chapter 8, it says, beginning in verse 11, For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace. When there is no peace, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. In the time of their visitation they shall be cast down, saith Jehovah. I will surely consume them, saith Jehovah. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. And the leaf shall fade and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. Again, God is speaking of the judgment of Judah by the Babylonians, and and that relates to uh, the judgment that begins at the house of God at the time of the end of the world during the Great Tribulation, and God makes reference to no figs on the fig tree. Now, keep in mind in Jeremiah 24, where God is speaking of those that go into captivity and those that would refuse to go into captivity, but insist upon remaining behind within Jerusalem, within Judah, at the time God is destroying them by Babylon, and and God makes a difference between these people and he illustrates this difference with figs. He has two baskets of figs that he sets before the temple. And one is a basket with very good figs. And the other is a basket with evil figs or naughty figs. 
And he says in Jeremiah 24, in verse 5, Thus saith Jehovah, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. And then in verse 8, And as the evil figs, which cannot be eaten, they are so evil, surely thus saith Jehovah, so will I give Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land and them that dwell in the land of Egypt, and I will deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt to be a reproach and a proverb and so on. So, uh, once again, we see clearly that, yes, God is speaking of the people of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, as figs. And they are either good figs or evil figs, but they are figs. And and that means that Judah itself is the fig tree, because these people are Jews, and and they were born into the land of Judah. And, and that's what made them figs. Judah is the tree, and uh, that which comes forth is uh, either good or bad, meaning pointing to those that are truly God's people or truly not saved. They, they're spiritual Israel, or they are unsaved individuals. It's, it's very similar to the wheat and the tares, or the sheep and the goats. Good figs, evil figs. Yet, we have all through the book of Jeremiah related these historical events of God destroying Judah by the Babylonians, of God's command to the Jews to, to go into captivity, to the judgment at the time of the end on the churches. And this um, distinction between good and evil figs matches perfectly with our understanding concerning the wheat and the tares that the wheat would go out of the church into the world, the tares would remain behind. And and that means that there is a double meaning, a double reference to the fig tree. The fig tree, in the first instance, represents Israel or Judah, and Secondarily, it represents the New Testament church and congregation. It represents the corporate body of the New Testament churches all over the world. Now, this, uh, of course, fits in with uh, Jesus coming to the fig tree in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 21, uh, it says, in ver- beginning in verse 18, Now in the morning... As he returned into the city, he hungered, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever, and presently the fig tree withered away. Now in Jeremiah 24, God uh, uses that illustration of good and bad fruit, but here there's no fruit of any kind to show forth 
and to demonstrate that there are no elect, or there will be no more people saved through the ministry or or through the teaching of Israel, through their synagogue system, once God finishes with the nation, with, with that corporate body, with that particular outward representation of his kingdom on earth, and he will shortly, once he rents the veil of the temple in twain, he divorces Israel, they no longer are his holy people, they no longer represent him. And he has made a transition at that point to the New Testament churches and congregations. He has given the vineyard to another, to the church, who will who will then take over as God's representatives for the next 1955 years, from 33 A.D. until 1988 A.D. And so there will be no fruit henceforward forever, Never again does someone become saved because the Holy Spirit is no longer in the midst of Israel. And yes, a Jew could be saved, but God would bring them out of the synagogue and they would hear the Bible in a church or, or outside of the synagogue to be saved. And, and so that's the point. That's also the point of the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Uh, There's no more forgiveness to the corporate body of Israel because they thought Christ was of Satan. And, And that judgment of God matches the judgment of Christ upon the fig tree. No more salvation within Israel ever again. But then it goes on to say in verse 20 of Matthew 21, And when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, you by faith will do what I have done, Jesus is saying, to the fig tree, you will do it also. He's speaking to his disciples. And it so happens... At the time of the end of the world, God opens up the scriptures to reveal the end of the church age. The churches which are also typified by the fig tree. It's that dual meaning of the fig tree. Christ cursed Israel that the fig tree represented, but the fig tree also represents the New Testament churches and congregations which the disciples or the believers, the followers of Christ, at a later time, at the very end of the world, through God revealing through his word that that he has uh, come out of the midst of the churches, that the church age is over and so forth, they will likewise curse the fig tree. They will pronounce the curse of God as it has opened up through the word of God, the Bible, that the church age is over, the Holy Spirit is no longer there, there will be no fruit growing on the fig tree of the New Testament church henceforward forever. It is an identical curse pronounced by the people of God, just as Jesus said 
it would be that you will do what I have done also. And, and so God's elect have cursed the fig tree of the New Testament church. Well, we'll, we'll have to pick this up, um, and, and see how this relates to the next part of the statement in Genesis of they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. We'll try to take a closer look at the word apron when we get together in our next study. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.